Well, good morning, everyone. December 31st, the last day of the year. Uh, happy New Year to you. Uh, or I guess on the last day of the year, is it, is it okay for us to say happy old year? Does that even make sense? Uh, happy old year, everybody. So uh, the last day of the year, uh, you know, a lot of us set a lot of goals this year, a lot of things we wanted to do this year. How are we doing? We got a little bit of time left. Okay, so uh, I know that, you know, there's probably some of you out there that set a Bible reading plan to read through the whole Bible this year. This afternoon, you're going to be reading through like 15 books of the Bible. So have, have fun and enjoy that. Uh, if you have a task list and you're worried about it, you're like thinking about this afternoon, uh, you're just, you know, trying to get it all done. Let me just encourage you. It's going to be all right. Okay. It's just don't, don't stress. Just relax. Enjoy the last few hours of the year. Just reset, reevaluate, uh, enjoy the day. Uh, I'm Nathan. I'm the missions pastor here and uh, glad to be with you this morning. Uh, good time for us to be thankful for all that God did in 2023. Uh, so encouraged by a lot of what Brian had to share with us uh, just about how we've grown in evangelism and outreach. And I love that. And I hope uh, that you're a part of that. Uh, because it's awesome uh, having a heart for lost people. It's what God wants. Uh, another praise is that we've been praying as a church that uh, God would raise up uh, us as a church to be a sending church, but also a team, even a first team that we would send out to an unreached people group, uh, people that need the gospel. And so we're praying for that. And I just want to report to you that, that people have come forward and have shown an interest in that. I don't have anything specific to report beyond that, but just a praise that, as Brian mentioned, we've been praying through this year, Lord, help us to be a more evangelistic church. Give us a burden for lost people. Uh, give us a... a, a, a those that we can send to the unreached, and God is doing things, uh, it, it's happening, and so we're, we're, um, we're glad. And it really fulfills uh, Psalm 37, 4, where it says, uh, delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. The desire of our heart is that lost people would hear the gospel. And so we're, we shouldn't be surprised that God is growing us in these things. So we're thankful for that. Uh, for today, please find Philippians 2, uh, 12 through 13. We're gonna be reading from Philippians 2, 12 and 13 in the Pew Bibles. Uh, it is page 981. Um, our message today is called God Who Works in You, right from our passage. Uh, and it speaks to everybody in here because it's God's word. Uh, but it speaks to all of us who feel like we need to do a little bit better. Uh, is that you? <laughs> do you feel you need to do a little bit better? Uh, do you feel like your life is not where it should be? Do you feel like you're not who you should be? Uh, do you feel like um, life is not being lived out to your potential? Uh, if that's you, and I would think all of us in here can relate to that in some way, uh, on this side of heaven, we have some work to do. Uh, so I want to give you a quick summary of this morning before we uh, get into this passage a little bit. But just a quick summary is that each one of us, everybody in here today, needs to do a little bit better. We'll always need to do a little bit better. But the completely mind-blowing truth is that in Jesus Christ, in his perfection, his perfect life, he did all the doing we'll ever need. Jesus did it. <laughs> and uh, our salvation, it does not depend on our performance. 
Doesn't that depend on how well we do, uh, if we're saved or not? And so we're judged as perfect because of our faith in Jesus. And that's great news to think about at the end of the year, at the beginning of the year, uh, that those who are in Christ are becoming more like Christ. Uh, and God's doing that in us. He's, he's working so that God is, is helping those who are already in Christ to be more like Christ. And so thankful for that. Uh, so let's read our passage today and, uh, and understand a little bit th- about this. There's just some good news for you this morning. Uh, so Philippians 2, uh, starting in verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. What a blessing to read that passage. Uh, we obey and we work out what God has already done. Uh, so he works in us for his purposes. Um, I should mention too, as we get started today, that this message is primarily for those who are believers in Christ, who are are living their Christian life. Uh, This is a message for you. Uh, If you are a guest or if you have not put your faith in Jesus, uh, I would encourage you, um, please consider doing that. Uh, Giving your life to to Jesus Christ, trusting in him for salvation. Again, he lived a perfect life. It's amazing that God created us. And even though we rebelled against him, That God sent Jesus to be our sacrifice, to be our payment for our sin. His perfect life, his death on the cross paid uh, the the, the price for our sin. Uh, He faced our punishment and our response of faith in Jesus can put us back in right relationship with God. That's an amazing thing. Uh, And so if you have not put your faith in Jesus for uh, the problem of your sin, I'd encourage you to do that. Talk to me afterwards. We we want that to happen. Uh, But for those of us that are in a relationship with God, this message will will, uh, hopefully hit home for us. There's good news in our passage today. And uh, we'll talk about that uh, in a moment here. Um, But if you're listening, if you're alive, if you're breathing, everybody in here breathing, everybody okay? We're all alive and breathing, right? Um, If that's you, you're probably feeling the pressure of expectations. Think about your own life, the expectations that are placed on you. Do you feel the pressure of expectations? Uh, There's always something else we're supposed to do or be. Um, You know, your family needs this. Your boss needs that. Uh, To be a good friend, you need to to do this. Uh, To be a good Christian, you need to do that. And you feel these expectations on you. And the new year is coming up and gives a good fresh sense of evaluation, a reset, a a chance to say, okay, what's going on in my life? And so we want to do that this morning. But let's talk about what a a New Year's checklist often is. Uh, We have a checklist up here on the screen. Just typical things that we do on New Year's. Okay, New Year, this year I'm going to exercise more. That's the classic one. It always starts with exercise more, doesn't it? We all need to exercise more. I need to lay off all these cookies. I'm going to get in shape this year. This is the year. I'm really going to make some changes. Uh, I'm going to exercise more. It always starts that way. Uh, I want to be a better spouse or parent or friend or employee. I want to be better. I want to be more productive this coming year. I want to I act better. I want to work harder. I want to do all of these things. Um, maybe some of you you're thinking, you know, that's a good list. I need that list. And, or maybe some of you aren't list people and you're like, well, the first thing I need to do is make a list. Make list. Yeah, that's okay. Check, did that. Um, but the one we have up there, that's actually a tough list <laughs> because uh, those things are not very specific, are they? They don't give a process. It's hard to know if you're doing that. 
You know, if you look at that, exercise more, be a better parent, be better, act better, work harder. Okay, how do I know if I'm doing those things? There's no process to those things. Are, and I wonder too, are we even able to do a lot of those things on our own? Well, church, as we go through our text today, I want to invite you to fully rest on the Lord for your growth. You're saying, how do we do that? How do I rest on the Lord for my growth? Well, these verses will give the perspective we need. Uh, So in Philippians 2, just some context about Philippians. It's written by the Apostle Paul with Timothy uh, to the believers in Philippi. We know that from reading the very first verse of the first chapter. In Acts 16, we read about the start of this church. Paul's on a second missionary journey. He meets Lydia at the beginning of the chapter. He meets the Philippian jailer and his family. They get saved, they get baptized. You're seeing the beginning of this church. And Paul is writing to them. And throughout this letter, he mentions joy 16 times in different forms throughout the four chapters. 16 times he mentions joy. And he wants to thank them for a gift that they had sent and also... He wants to encourage them towards joy and joyful Christian living. Uh, In chapter 2, where we are, the first 11 verses, which we didn't read, uh, they just talk about Christ's humility, how it led to him being obedient in going to the cross. Uh, Chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, is an incredible passage. when I was in middle school, uh, in order to be discipled, I, I was told I had to memorize it uh, before I could be discipled. So I did, and it is well worth it. Talks about, yeah, again, Christ's obedience and humility as an example for us. Uh, and, and then we get to verse 12. Verse 12 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So Paul loves the church in Philippi. He writes that, beloved. Uh, But he's saying, therefore, because of what? Because of Christ's obedience in the preceding passage, because Christ obeyed, it's now our turn to obey. And so our first point this morning uh, is that we obey God no matter the circumstance. We obey God no matter the circumstance. Uh, We have the model that we need. We have Jesus. If you want to take time to read through these first 11 verses here, it's it's excellent. The model of Jesus obeying in the toughest of circumstances, going to the cross, having an eternal perspective, knowing the eternal impact of what he was about to do. He went, he obeyed, he did it. It's the same for us in living our lives. If we have an eternal perspective, we see the eternal impact of what we do every day. Uh, We want to obey God no matter what the circumstance was. Um, And so it's important for us to realize that, that our obedience matters. And so we obey God no matter the circumstance. Uh, Paul in this passage is writing that even though he can't be with them, they were still to obey, right? He was glad they obeyed when they were with him, but his concern was for when he was gone, when he wasn't with them. Are you still obeying when I'm not there with you? Uh, We have the same thing in our church, right? Uh, when we're here together, so we're Sunday morning, everybody, everybody's obeying. I mean, every, nobody's misbehaving this morning, I don't think. Anybody misbehaving here? I think, I think we're all doing okay, right? I haven't seen anything. Um, <laughs> but what about later? Will we be the same later today or tomorrow or throughout this week? Will we be the same or will we act differently? 
Paul communicates this same concern of a difference between their behavior with him and when he's away. Uh, Chapter 1, verse 27, you can see it on the screen there. Uh, He says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Um, Their lives should not be uh, determined by Paul's presence. But sometimes that, that kind of thing happens. It is a temptation. Uh, do you remember when you were younger? Uh, you were past babysitting age and you were old enough that your parents could leave you home alone for a little while. Do you remember that? And, and they'd leave and, and you'd get into all kinds of trouble, wouldn't you? You know, you would. And, and you always had to have like a brother or a sister kind of on the lookout for when mom and dad would get back for when their headlights are pulling into the driveway. And they, what was their job? They had to yell out, they're home. And everybody would like scatter and like grab a book <laughs> and like sit on the couch. And they're like, oh, you're home. Huh? Uh, and you were different, right? Um, if, if the apostle Paul visited Maranatha Bible Church, and I know he can't. Just play along, okay? Uh, if the Apostle Paul visited here this morning, whew, the Apostle Paul here in our presence, we would be on our best behavior, wouldn't we? If, it, if the Apostle Paul was sitting next to you today, you'd be singing loud, you'd be taking notes, uh, you know, fellowship time, you'd be getting all the way across the room, you'd be everywhere, you know? You would be like, hey, Paul's here. Okay, let's, let's do this right. Um, Well, Paul really did visit the church in Philippi. He was there, uh, his second missionary journey, his third missionary journey. Uh, But what if Paul couldn't come back to visit them? So in this case, he's writing from Rome, uh, hundreds of miles away. He wasn't there to physically teach them uh, and help them. Uh, So should their growth and should their obedience be dependent on him? Of course not. Uh, Paul was glad he obeyed when they, they obeyed when he was there, but he's saying much more in his absence because that's when it becomes everyday life. When he's absent, that's, the, okay, we're in the day-to-day and how much more uh, can they obey? And that's, that's really a progression that we'll, we'll get to in a moment. It's called sanctification, right? The, the process of your, your Christian life. Uh, but, but Paul is explaining Jesus's obedience in this passage uh, right after 1 through 11 and 2 through 12, or 12 and 13, he, he says, therefore, because of Christ's example, we obey no matter the circumstance. Um, so that's our first point. We obey God no matter the circumstance. But continuing in verse 12, uh, he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Please understand this. That working out your salvation is not working for your salvation. It's not working for your salvation. Uh, Warren Wiersbe explains that the the original language, the term work out, it's actually, it's, it's like a mathematical equation. The term means to work to full completion. That's what the term work out is. It's like work to full completion. So uh, let's put a math problem up on the screen here today. I know there's going to be some groans in here because you're like, come on, it's holiday time. We don't want math. We don't want to do math in church. Pastor, come on. Uh, just relax. We, we don't have to work it out. We don't need the answer. Um, it's just an illustration I made up, okay? Um, some of you are already working it out in your head. You can't resist, right? You're like, wait, we get my phone out. I got to do it. Um, okay. If you have an equation to work out like we have on the screen here, 
You have a problem to work out. The answer is already sure. Whether or not you've worked it out or not, there is an answer to that problem. There is. Uh, Whether or not you realize it, whether or not you can fill in the blank, uh, there is an answer to that. Uh, Even if you don't know it yet or not. The answer is 2024, by the way. (laughs) So you're you're welcome. Um, If I'm doing my math right. Uh, I used to be amazed in algebra. Remember when you got your algebra textbook and the answers were in the back of the book? You'd be like, what's the answer? Oh, the answer is five. I got the problem and I got the answer. Great. Well, then you learn, no, no, it's not not that great. The point is that you have to work out the problem, right? You have to show your work and how you got the answer. And so um, this is the word used in verse 12, to work to full completion. Uh, And that's our second point. Number two, we work out what God has already done. So God has already done, has already saved us, but we're working out that salvation. Our salvation is true. It is sure. It is certain, but we're working it out. Um, the Christ-likeness in our own lives. And by the way, it says, uh, work out your own salvation. Just a reminder that this is your own responsibility. You're not responsible for other people's uh, sanctification, the things that they're doing. Uh, it's each believer's responsibility. But the salvation is sure. It's a sure thing. And now we're working it out to full completion. Uh, There's a number of verses that we're gonna go through here up on the screen that talk about this mysterious cooperation that happens between God and us in our Christian life. And it's, it, it is mysterious. You'll see that there is uh, this, this tension here uh, of what is God's role and what is our role in these verses. So let's look for that. As we read these verses, what is God's role and what is our role as we, as we read God's word here? Starting in Romans eight thirteen, Paul writes, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You see God's role and our role here? Let's keep going. Romans 6, verse 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Later in the same chapter, verse 11, he says, so you must also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. God, he crucifies the old self and now we must consider ourselves dead to sin. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, but by the grace of God, I am what I am and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Are you seeing this in these passages? It it, it keeps going. How about Galatians 2.20? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There's more, Colossians 1.29. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Uh, There there would be more verses. We're just gonna stop there today, but this is a theme throughout the Bible. Uh, God is the one who has already worked and is working and we have a role as well. Um, I like this quote from uh, Doug Moo, a Bible commentator. He says this, uh, the customary summary of Paul's ethical framework is become what you are, but we should probably add to it and what you are being made into. I like that, become what you are and what you are being made into. 
Uh, this is, is what's happening in us in our Christian life. Um, we're able to work and to grow and to serve because God works. I love it. I've seen God working in this church. I've seen God working in, uh, in you. And, and I, I love to see that, that God is doing this. And this is our point. Are, are we work out what God has already done. We work out what he's already done. Um, we, we just read some and not all, again, not all of the verses that talk about this, this, uh, this situation where God is, is, is responsible for anything good happening into us, but, but we have a role as well uh, that we have a, of a part in this. Uh, I want to talk about uh, sancti- sanctification for just a moment uh, because this is, this is awesome. This is great news. If you have like the holiday blues or anything like that, I hope that this good news can encourage you today because what God has done is amazing. Uh, there's a past and there's a present and there's a future part regarding your salvation and they're all good news. <laughs> they're all good. Uh, the past justification. This is when any believer uh, trusted in Christ the very first time. I was eight years old. I prayed with my mom. Uh, I trusted in Jesus Christ. And so that's something that's happened in the past. And at the moment that you, you accept Christ as your savior, you trust in him, you put your faith in him. Uh, you're justified. It's, it, you're made as, as just. You're, you're seen as, as holy before the Lord and you're standing before the Lord. Uh, so that's now past for anyone who has trusted him. But presently, a believer is being sanctified. Sanc- sanctification. Uh, that's going to happen our whole life. Uh, and in the future, we will be glorified. We'll have glorification. That, and that's certain too. That's going to happen. Uh, but presently, right now, it's December 31st. Presently, all of us that have trusted in Christ are in this process of sanctification. Uh, from the word sanctify, it means set apart. This idea is that you're, you're saved by grace through faith when you trust in Jesus Christ. At that moment, you're justified uh, you're declared to be holy through the righteousness of Christ. Not, not something you did. It's through what Jesus did. You're, you're justified, right? Uh, sanctification, it happens over your entire life where God is growing you. He's, you're, you're resisting temptation. You're learning to obey him. You're learning to be more like Christ. You're learning to draw closer to, to God. And so... Uh, theologians can argue about who does what in the process, but the point is this, that God has a part and we have a part. Let me tell you, God is doing his part. Are you doing your part? Are you fearful and trembling in your part? As you work out your salvation, are you fearful? Are you trembling in your fight against sin? as your salvation is being worked out, is that the moment of faith that happened in the past, is it working itself out through a life of obedience? Philippians 1.6 expresses this idea. Paul writes this, he says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God is going to do it. Thankful for that. Uh, and we're told in 2.12 in our verse here today that this process requires our fear and our trembling. How do we work it out with fear and trembling? You know, we're told throughout God's word to fear God. And here today, we're, we're to work out our salvation with fear and, and, uh, and trembling. So we have that respect for the Lord, but the fear is not because God is evil. The fear is not because we're afraid that God might hurt us. 
We're not afraid of that. We actually fear him because he's so good, because he's so holy and perfect that when we think of our lives, we think, man, I'm, I'm fearful. I tremble because his power and his goodness are so high above ours, above mine. He's so good that I'm fearful and I'm trembling because of who I am. Uh, you know, we have a center aisle here in our, our worship center auditorium. Many of you walked down this aisle this morning to get to your seat. Uh, but let me ask you this. Did you do it with fear and trembling? <laughs> Probably not many of you. But there are, is a group of people that walk down this aisle with fear and trembling. We have had many weddings uh, in our church right here in this building. And there are people who walk around just fine every day. They walk to get places. They're not fearful and they're not trembling. But when they walk down right here, they're, they, people are asking like the wedding coordinator during the rehearsal. They're like, so, so how should I walk? <laughs> and the wedding coordinator has to answer that question. Uh, I think they're, they're worried like the, the, the feet together thing. Do I do this thing? Am I supposed to like, am I slow? Do I just kind of have like my normal walk? Do I go real slow? Like what, how am I supposed to walk here? And they're fearful and trembling. Why are they fearful and trembling at that moment walking when they're not normally? Well, it's because they don't want to be part of a story where people remember they tripped during the wedding in front of a bunch of people, right? Um, they don't want that. So they walk with fear and trembling. Um, you know, your obedience to God, your fight with sin could use more fear and trembling, right? Uh, we need to fear and tremble as we pursue a perfectly holy God. We need to do that with fear and trembling. It's, it's commanded. <laughs> we need to do it. Uh, we don't fear because God is going to change his mind about forgiving us. He won't. He won't. Uh, we fear because what we do matters. God has forgiven us so much. Uh, he deserves our best lives for him and uh, what we do matters. Let's not be casual, church, in our fight against sin. Let's not be casual in how we obey the Lord. Let's not just treat it flippantly. Work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. But verse 13 gives us great news in that. Great news for that, for that uh, command. This is our third point. Uh, God works in our desire and strength for his purposes. God works and our desire and strength for his purposes. If we go back to the verse there, it says this, for it is God who works in you. God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So God works in our desire and strength for his purposes. Uh, God brings everything to the table. <laughs> everything, everything that we need, he brings it to the table. He works in us. Uh, as Charles Spurgeon taught, uh, the first part of salvation God does for us. That's the justification. The second part he does in us. That's the sanctification, right? God doing it in us. Uh, he says that God frees us from the guilt of sin, but we work out our salvation from the power of sin. So that's a lifelong process called progressive sanctification. We're all doing it right now, uh, those of, of us who have trusted in Christ. Uh, that God would use the Holy Spirit in my life, in your life, his Holy Spirit to convict you and guide you and change you uh, to, to become more Christ-like, more set apart from the world. You're not earning your salvation. Uh, you're not paying God back by living a good life. Uh, you're simply by God's grace, you're becoming who you already are. 
in Christ. Uh, the goal was mentioned earlier in, in uh, chapter 2, verse 5. It says, have this mind among, you, among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Uh, and, and the NIV says, have uh, the attitude of Christ Jesus. Uh, we want to be like Jesus Christ. That's our goal. Be like Jesus. And then throughout chapter 2, a lot of it talks about how Christians treat each other, um, how they need the same mind. If you look at verse 2, the same mind, the same love. They need to avoid selfishness, 3 and 4. Christ's attitude, verse 5. And then even if you get later in the chapter, after our passage, if you get to 14, do all things without grumbling or disputing. All these things that we're to do, right? Uh, All these Christ-like ways that we're supposed to to, uh, act. um, How are we going to get there? How are we going to be this Christ-like? How does that happen? Well, God works in you. God working in you. God, the God, the creator God, who created the sun you see every day and gazillions of stars and who's made all these things that you see in front of you, he's working in you. Is there anything hard for God to do? Anything difficult for God? You say, well, my life, it's a challenge. It's a mess. God who works in you. And you can put your name on this. God who works in Dennis, in Jim, in Tracy, in Emily. Put your name in this. Because if you're a believer in Christ, God works in you. He's ready to work in your life, in you. Uh, Author and pastor Dane Ortland, he says, sanctification isn't God then me. God did the first part, I have to do the rest. It isn't God, not me. I just, I don't do anything. I just sit back and God does it all. No, it's not that. It isn't God plus me. It is, as our passage here says, God in me. God in me. That's good news. (laughs) Uh, Jonathan Edwards explains this by saying that we're both completely passive and completely active. What? Does that make sense? Okay, divine sovereignty, human responsibility. Yes, they're both at play in our growth. And so what does God do now? In verse 13, it explains it. It says, God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. He provides the will, uh, the desire to live out our salvation, but he also provides the work. Uh, the Greek word is uh, energeo, the energy, where we get our word energy. He provides the energy to do it. And so what this means is that if you're discouraged today, it could be that you have done a whole lot of relying on yourself. You know, Isaiah 40 promises that if we, if we trust in the Lord, he will renew our strength, right? Uh, that's what we want. You could find yourself with a whole new outlook if you realize you can tap into God's limitless energy to work in you. Uh, If you feel like you don't have the desire to obey God, if you feel like you don't have the energy, the strength, God provides both, both for you and for me. And he has to give both. Uh, I've been backpacking many times. And, um, you know, if you've ever ever been backpacking, you're going up hills, you're going down hills, you're going around mountains, climbing rocks, all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, You know what keeps me going on the trail? You start to get tired. You know what keeps me going? Trail mix. (laughs) <laughs> trail mix is awesome. I get some of that trail mix and I can, I'm good for another few miles. I love that stuff. Uh, but it's not just having the trail mix in my pack. I have to eat the trail mix. It's the trail mix in me that gives me the energy, right? Uh, I have to eat it and then, the, and then it provides me the strength to, to keep going. 
Uh, you know, we depend on God to, to change our desire. We depend on God to provide the strength that we need in our Christian life. And what an encouragement that, that God works in us, that we're not just a project he's working on. It's not just some kind of side thing. Like he, he is actively uh, working inside you from the inside out. And, and what an encouragement. And so just an application in closing today, just an application, three things that we, we can uh, do to apply these verses. Uh, number one, identify your inconsistency in obedience. Identify your inconsistency in obedience. Uh, do you obey sometimes, maybe in someone's presence, but you're different at other times? You gotta identify that. Uh, Paul encouraged the church to obey no matter what. If you struggle with consistency, start by identifying that. Secondly, fight sin with fear and trembling. Have that healthy respect for God. He's a holy God. He tells us to flee our evil desires. Flee it, fight it. Uh, with God working in you, there's gonna be a good result. <laughs> with God in you working, if you fight your sin, there's gonna be a good result when you do that. So fight well, do it with God's strength in you. And then point three, uh, trust God to produce change in you. Trust God to produce change in you. You know, as we approach a new year, we think about how last year went, right? We're always just kind of, this is a good time to think perspective and we think about how we want to change and uh, let us not come to the conclusion that our change is entirely up to us. Oh, I just got to do better. You know, I got to work harder. Uh, if I have a better system, if I have more consequences, if I have better accountability, oh, that's going to be the change. Now let's, uh, let's remember the gospel. <laughs> when we talk about ourselves a lot, it doesn't sound like the gospel, does it? The gospel is good news because Jesus paid it all. He did it all. <laughs> he did it all. And he's done all that we need. And so, uh, Church, we have a savior and that doesn't mean you had to trust him once and then you live your life and now you kind of just kind of move on. Uh, what kind of Christians are we if we move on from the ident our identity in Jesus? Uh, we have an identity in Jesus Christ. It is he who works in us. We're thankful for that. Do not move on from your identity in Jesus. We're not meant to go through our lives feeling badly that we're, we're not who we, you know, we're not perfect yet and, uh, you know, we're trying hard and um, I just want to challenge you. Could, could we live life rejoicing that we're already like Jesus and now our life is just a process of living out that truth each day that God can, can produce change in us. And so uh, sin can become less appealing when we say that's not who I am. Yeah, it's a temptation. I, I want to do it, but that's not me. God saved me and God's working in me. That's me. That's who I am. So let's pray for that together. Uh, Lord, thank you that uh, it is you who works in us. Lord, we're so thankful uh, that you provide all that we need to live an obedient Christian life. Lord, I pray that if anyone in here is exhausted or weary or getting to the end of the year and they're just tired and, uh, and overwhelmed uh, by the challenge of life, Lord, would you minister to them with the truth of these verses? that we can obey you, that we can work out our salvation because it is you working in us, uh, that our identity is in you and that because of that, Lord, we have everything we need to become more like Christ. Please produce Christ-likeness in us. I pray this all in Jesus' name.